0: hello and welcome to just animals podcast i'm el and with me as always is my dad aka guy
1: hello pod world i will be standing up today so i don't fall asleep
0: okay i've had in- a rough day <laughs> oh haven't we all and then we have a very special guest today we have from minnesota of all places although true to the just animals world he is australian so <laughs> very <laughs> fitting for right. our show i know it's uh, we we have this weird we have a big following connection. in australia Right, so we have an Aussie living in America. <laughs> um, we have Dr. Trevor Wardle on today to discuss his research, actually, and let's uh, let's get into it, Dr. Wardle. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
2: Okay, so I, I guess um, I, as it said, I'm Australian. I grew up with animals all around me, and I'm really a, what you call a neurobiologist. Uh, particularly, okay. I study vision, and particularly how vision drives behavior. And I'm really interested in, you know, how animals take in their world, you know, using their eyes and then make decisions about that. They perceive their world in various ways and then go about doing things. Uh, I find that really fascinating. We can't really ask them questions. So we have to do some experiments, sometimes some manipulations and figure out, you know, what the animals are you know, able to tell us.
0: Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. You can't just be like, Hey, what are you seeing? Why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> if only yep. it was that easy. So yeah. So speaking, I mean that neurobile I mean, that just sounds insane. I mean, have you dissected like any animal brains? Is that, or like nerve cells? Is that too Yeah, no, we,
2: we do a lot of that in the lab, uh, okay. on various animals. I guess the okay. most tricky animal I've had to dissect is a fruit fly brain.
0: How do you so, dissect uh, that? Wow. They they even have, they have a brain first. Okay. Time out. They have <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed they have a brain, uh maybe a couple hundred thousand neurons in there, depending on who you talk to. Um it's wow. very small and um in this case we were doing some brain imaging to see what their brains oh, think oh, about. So yeah.
0: Wow. Okay, we'll have to get back to that. I wanna let's put a pin in that because that's already you've blown my mind. Um but yeah, so today we're actually going to be discussing uh Trevor's research with the cuttlefish. So how how and why cuttlefish? Let's let's start there. I mean they're fascinating creatures, and for those of you that don't know, they're a cephalopod, right?
2: That's right. So cuttlefish okay. are part of the cephalopod. So the squids, the the cuttlefish, the octopus, the nautilus, um, and really I, I grew up with with animals around me. Like I said, and you know as soon as I was old enough, I loved documentaries about the Great Barrier Reef because it's sort of on the doorstep and right. Uh, you know, I went to university just with the intention of studying biology and doing field work. And I had loads of fish tanks growing up in my bedroom. And so
1: it was sure just beyond...
2: well, to be true, good question. So I did have freshwater tanks, mainly because as a kid, I couldn't afford the whole whole seawater thing.
1: Yeah. Did you keep um, discus?
2: I did have a couple of discus for a while, but I mainly had Australian natives, and then I got into making money with um, guppies and things like that. But anyway, Guppy. that's uh-huh. a side story. All Illegal right.
0: Aussie fish trade. Is that where we're yeah. going to get into that? <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I mean, this is the thing. You you know, once you're into animals that swim around, you can't really escape them. Uh, yeah, I've done a whole bunch of other things in the meantime. And uh, to answer your question about the cuttlefish, I really got back to that. Uh because of an opportunity, right? So i had done a whole bunch of other jobs. And then suddenly this job came up with Roger Hanlon, who's at the Marine Biological Lab that's in Cape Cod. And uh, my wife and I could both go there and do some research with cephalopods. And I was like, wow, that's a dream job. Like that's not gonna come up again.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> so right.
2: I left my job doing protein engineering and all sorts of other crazy stuff and jumped at it. Uh, and really I haven't looked back. It's been a lot of fun. Um, to sort of do research with cuttlefish and cephalopods in general.
0: That's now, kind of Now, these funny. guys... Hold on. Wait, oh. hold on. It seems with a lot of our um, researchers that we've had on the show, a lot of them, it's kind of like, one, they knew they wanted to do this, or two, they're, the animal they really focused on kind of found them in a weird way, or you know, they had an opportunity like this. So I always like to hear that story, how, like, when Dr. Ben came on and told us about the Humboldt squid... Um, he was talking about he wanted to study a different animal, but it was either an El Nino or La Nina year. And, you know, I'm sure you know that affects what animals are yep. around. And, of course, it was one of those years. So it's like you're not going to see that animal for the next 365 days. So you need to pick something else. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm sure that's happened to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've 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 taken opportunities for different animals. Uh, luckily now I have a lab where I can actually have the animals. Right, the you have so your name around. on the
0: lab. That's amazing. It's it's your yeah. lab. I mean, how exactly. crazy is that to like have your own lab?
2: It, it is crazy, and you kind of pinch yourself for the first few years. Just like, hang on, what? I'm a boss, and hang on, I have animals in the lab, and I have people to look after. But but you know, you do a lot of work for a long time to get to that spot. So I guess you kind of feel like, well. Maybe i did actually own
0: it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. All are right. So now there?
1: I want to get my question in.
0: Okay. Go I, ahead.
1: I think I've seen uh, uh, something that either on PBS or the Science Channel or maybe National Geographic. These animals are very intelligent. And I know intelligence is different definition based on human and animal, but they are very smart. They're able to camouflage, right, uh, yep. themselves? And have you ever studied that? In other words, do you understand, uh, is that a a stress response or just a natural response? Or let's start with the camouflaging. Uh, Yeah, so
2: so that's actually what got me that first job with Roger. So we wanted to look at the neural system that controls camouflage. Um, And so we were tasked to sort of um, try and understand exactly that type of question you're asking, guys. So... Uh, at the time, there was some suspicion that light, just light shining on the skin could affect their camouflage. We knew that the brain controlled the, the camouflage and it wasn't purely a stress response that, you know, they actively put on specific patterns for specific things. Uh, and cuttlefish are kind of the masters, they really are the masters of cuddle, you know, camouflage in that. You know they can put on texture and shape and patterning and the detail of the dot patterns on their skin is just remarkable so um, how,
1: do, how does that work in other words they they have a vision you said you studied eyesight so they must have a visual clue of the environment and then and then there's ability to replicate that
2: environment exactly. that's amazing uh, that's amazing it, it <laughs> is truly amazing and, and and the thing is not only Is the vision system very good? So so cuttlefish have vision uh resolution equivalent to like a cat. So it's very good. It's it sees the world completely different because it sees itself in black and white. It only has one, it doesn't have color vision. Which already mind blown, like hang on, they're putting colour patterns, but it doesn't have color vision, then how do they
0: wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. Well, how do (laughs) they know what colors match when they don't have color vision?
1: The sand and rocks and all. Excellent
2: question. This is the million dollar question that a lot of people want to know. Um, Yeah. Mind blown. Because I was studying color vision in insects. And and then when this job came up, it was like, hang on. They don't have color vision, yet they do this. And we don't know. Uh, Okay. There's no good evidence um, in the sort of literature that they do color matching. But they do intensity matching exquisitely well and there's also the sort of thing where they learn like you said they're very intelligent animals. they learn really quickly so if they don't camouflage well then something's going to eat them it's just that simple so we don't really know uh i could come up with a whole bunch of guesses but i don't really know um exactly how they do the color matching but we were studying the neurons so the skin is just full of neurons like it's basically a whole surface of neurons like uh that do this and there's different elements of the skin that are controlled with neurons, things called uh, chromatophores. So these are colored discs oh,
0: right, right, right. of
2: pigment, and they're pulled apart. So they go from like a ball to a flat pancake yeah. by pulling muscles, and and that pulls that into a big disc, and you can see that colored spot then, right?
1: So um, although their vision is black and white, they, can, uh, they are chromatic in their camouflage. Yep, exactly. That is amazing. It, That's amazing. it is.
2: It totally is. <laughs> <laughs> I think you see why I study them, right? I mean, uh, yeah, th- they're just cool animals. But, when do uh, you have
1: the answer? Can we invite you back? <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. well, maybe in a, in a decade or so. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the problem is, is um, we don't really know how their brains work. So they have rather different brains. I mean, we effectively, they, they're work. snails, right? Yeah. They, they evolved from mollusks. Uh, so uh, we've got a lot to figure out.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you think so, about it, we so, still don't even know much about the human brain. So I can imagine an yeah. animal like that. I mean, good luck to you.
1: <laughs> how, how uh, I forget the word you used for these colors in their skin, but how deep is it in their skin? Is it very deep or is it? Sur- oh, it's top- very
2: superficial. So topic, um, topical. Yeah. They, they have a thin layer that's. Um, almost transparent to sort of protect the chromatophores the things that open and close with muscles. and then underneath that they have like reflector cells and then uh underneath that they have like white scattering cells Uh, and then cuttlefish and octopus can make papillae so they can make 3d lumps in their skin by squeezing muscles and basically squeezing the skin into a bunch uh and they can get into some fairly sophisticated structures so it's It's pretty uh, amazing. So do you think think that there is something
1: in the skin that maybe can, it's not an eye, but something in the skin that can replicate the environment? Is that where it's coming from? Or do you think it's coming from their brain?
2: uh, So I'm very certain it comes from the brain because that's exactly what we were trying to study. Um, However, there's a small caveat to this. Uh, and and i feel a bit duped about this because another team beat us but that's fine it's it's science Uh, yeah it's life right so uh, in octopus it's been shown that this um light sensitive pigment can actually activate the chromatophores but it doesn't do it in a very replicating way it basically just turns them on in a very crude way uh and so and it's very slow so it wouldn't be necessarily very useful for camouflage like quick camouflage to escape a predator. Predator, But uh, nevertheless, there is other things going on. So you, you are asking good questions, but we haven't found anything that's, that's out on this periphery that works like an eye that drives the patterning and the coloration.
1: And if you had to assign a number, what would you say the resolution of their camouflage is?
2: Actually, people have looked at this. So I think I don't remember the number, but I think it's around 200 to 300 dots per inch.
1: That's pretty good. That's, so that's it's a, very good. Yeah, that's certainly not uh, pixelated, let's say that.
2: <laughs> that's right. So for most predators, you know, that are swimming past at like half a meter away, yeah, they will really struggle to see the outline of the cuttlefish because they're so good at sort of replicating the pattern. It's not a copy. Yeah. A lot of people think it's a copy. It's it's a sort of matching generally. Enough to fool a predator. That's all it has to do.
0: Right. 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 Well, it's crazy. They make themselves look like rocks or coral. And it's like, you know, if you're just passing by, it's like, okay, another rock, whatever. It's something yeah. that's that's nuts. So, all right. So what pro- – I know you kind of touched on this, but what prompted your research and then specifically um, vision and how vision drives behavior? I mean, that seems very niche and you've definitely um, – I don't want to say um, – I can't think of the word, funnel to your focus, so to speak, or refined yep. your fo- fine-tuned your focus.
2: Yeah, so I guess what prompted the research was we had been looking at vision-related projects, uh, predominantly in insects, actually. We normally work with invertebrates. And then we got this opportunity to go work on camouflage in, in cephalopods. And so you start reading a whole bunch of new literature and you discover that lo and behold here's this old paper that says cuttlefish can't perceive depth and you're sitting there thinking but hang on we see them in the lab shooting their tentacles out and grabbing prey items to eat right how do they do that not knowing where it is like yeah as a vision scientist you're like yeah i i don't it's believe not this adding paper. up <laughs> right? right um and so that was interesting and then we're like well how would we study this? Like they're squishy animals. They're, you know, fairly temperamental in the sense that they're going to ink and do all sorts of weird things when you play with them. And, and so we're like, oh, I don't know. And right around that time we were, you know, my wife and I, my wife's paloma, um, Gonzalez Bolido. So we worked together on lots of different things all over the planet. Um,
0: dynamic but,
2: duo? yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't work without the both of us, but, we were sort of scratching our heads. And at that same time, um, a group in Newcastle came out with a paper showing, you could put 3d glasses on praying mantids and had this 3d cinema thing going. And we, we both were like, Oh, okay, well maybe. And then we're like, Oh, how would you do that underwater? Like, that's kind of crazy. Um, and anyway, we kept sort of thinking about it and we wrote a proposal, uh, to the marine biological lab to sort of go do this research. And we talked to Roger and he initially said, nah, this is crazy, but you know, if you want to try, I can loan you some cuttlefish, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so we actually got some funding from the marine biological lab, which was fantastic uh, from the witness center. And so we proceeded to sort of start this research uh, on, you know, looking at the 3D vision of of cuttlefish.
0: So, I mean, it makes sense, I feel like Obviously, it's a praying mantis. Like you know, putting three D glasses on a terrestrial animal seems great, but you know, and now oh, an aquatic animal. It's like, aren't you worried about them floating off? Like, I feel like you have added barriers. I mean, besides one, an animal wearing clothing essentially that it clearly does not is not natural doesn't want to wear. But then now you've got <laughs> current and water, to, you know, to lift it off. So, yeah. So let's. <laughs> so yeah. So how does how does one make three D glasses for a cuttlefish? And then, as you say, they sound Carefully. like they have a lot of person personality um and I, I mean how many times did they rip them off or break them or, or eat them <laughs> so, or
2: <laughs> again lots of great questions and, and that was the real thing that roger said initially was like how are you going to get them to keep the things on there and we're like oh, i don't know and <laughs> and actually we originally didn't even think of 3d glasses our original plan was to put like prism glasses on to, to oh. fool their brain Sure. Um, And and then we're like, no, they're too heavy. And then when we heard about the 3D glasses, we're like, well, it might work because now they're not too heavy. Right. But as you said, how do you stick them on? How do you make them all? And so uh, my initial feeling was that surely we can stick something to their head, like with glue. And I'm like, how do we do this? And
0: just by chance,
2: (laughs) exactly. By chance, I'd kind of thought about it and, discovered that super glue, which, you know, we all know super glue is great, but yeah. one of the cool things about super glue is it sets with water. Oh. Oh. And, right. and then I'm like, bingo, I, I've got to try this stuff. Um, and um, so then we, you know, ha- then you have to figure out how to apply it and do it all. It turns out that cephalopod skin has a sort of thin layer of mucus that covers it. That oh, yeah, keeps yeah. it fairly wet. It's very good for the animals. Uh, it's like octopus can crawl out of the water and crawl across the land and go back in the water. And they're okay. Because of that mucus, the skin doesn't yeah. really dry out in that time. And so we kind of thought, oh, how do we get around this? So as it turns out, if you take them out of water very briefly, you can pat dry the skin with just some paper towel <laughs> and then apply something with superglue and it will hold. However... <laughs> It will only hold for about a day or two until the skin realizes there's something stuck to me and falls off, which is basically that mucus layer right. re exerting itself. Right. Um, it's no different if we stick super glue on our skin and have a few showers, it will eventually come off, right? <laughs> right. So, um, yes, we didn't win on the long term game, but for experiments, it doesn't matter. It's only got to stay on for a day, right? Right. Um, and so that. That was step one. We could stick something to the skin. Step <laughs> two is building glasses. Well, how do you do that? Uh, we so basically just did craft, that. right? So we got specific um, filters, and these are like um, gelatin filters they use in the theater industry to make specific colors oh, yeah. for the lighting. Sure. And uh, so you can get the specific colors that will allow you to give you know one set of colors to the one eye and one set of colors to another eye. And then you feel like, well, how do we make them? So this was just basically, I think we had about six or eight prototypes where we would cut them and fold them to sort of fit a cuttlefish. And then, you know, we'd start to stick them on and see how the cuttlefish would react. Well, as we quickly discovered, there's many of cuttlefish that will ink, and that means you can't do any videography because the water's now black. Um <laughs> Well, that makes sense because, you know, you're stressing them. So, uh, they didn't all do that. So it would be the ones that were, I guess, more skittish than others. And that's, that kind of personality is very common in animals and particularly so in, in cuttlefish. So we had to find animals that wouldn't be worried about us doing this. So that already cuts out about, you know, five to 10% of the animals, then you've got to put on glasses and, and try different designs. So. Initially, some of the designs were more like, you know, big wraparound glasses because we were trying to do, you know, the science as well as we could. We quickly discovered if they're big wraparound glasses, as soon as the cuttlefish jets water and goes backwards, the glasses would just fly off. And the reason they would fly off is because we had a a Velcro attachment. Hmm. So we'd stick one part of Velcro to the animal and the other part to the glasses for the explicit reason that if the animal wanted to pull them off with its arms, it it could do so. Right. Yeah. But also it meant that if they swam around really fast, it's like, whoosh, off goes the glasses.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I must have missed something because, uh, were you trying to take them to IMAX? What, what was the purpose of you uh, putting the glasses on them? You wanted so, to take them to see Avatar or something in 3D? Good or question.
2: What? So, so <laughs> the, the reason why we built the 3D underwater cinema was because we were trying to understand depth perception. And so we have to take a couple of steps back and see how cuttlefish catch their lunch. And basically what they do is they will be swimming around and they'll notice some sort of prey item. And often they eat shrimp and crabs and they're often moving around. And so they'll see their prey by movement and then they'll swim over to it and they'll line themselves up, basically moving backwards and forwards till they get to the right distance. And then they'll shoot out their tentacles. So apart from the eight arms, they have two tentacles Mm -hmm. and they can shoot those out. They're coiled up muscles basically and they shoot them out, they have suckers on the end, and they'll stick onto their prey, you know, via the shrimp. And then they'll actually retract them back to their arms, and the arms will then grab the little shrimp, and then they have lunch, right? The problem was, is how do they line themselves up to always be at the right distance to yeah, shoot so out the tentacles?
0: Perception. Exactly,
2: know. exactly. And, and right. so the old papers did some surgery and basically made their cuttlefish with one eye. You know, the other eye wasn't working and they could still capture prey. And that was the bit that we're like, that doesn't sound right, but maybe they can figure it out another way. Uh, But we're like, no, we've seen them like just steam in really fast and then shoot out the tentacles and grab their, their lunch, right? So we were pretty confident they had stereo vision, but we had to show that. I mean, one thing is saying it, the other one is like getting the data. And so how the 3D cinema works is you actually have inputs to the left and the right eye that are different. So if you go to the cinema and you weren't wearing the glasses, it would look weird. There's actually two overlaid images. Um, But anyways, we could actually modify those two images in the 3D cinema such that we could trick the animals. We could make them think something was much closer to them, you know, like T-Rex jumping out the screen at you or something that's much further away. And so that's the point of making the the 3D underwater cinema.
0: Ah, I mean that's I it. mean it's, it's, out wow. of context. It's like you put 3D glasses on a on a fish, and you've made an underwater movie theater. I mean this sounds <laughs> this almost sounds fake.
2: <laughs> I, I, absolutely, I heard, uh, and that's kind of I guess worry. why people are like yeah, Did really, you're going to do this. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like something you'd hear, you'd see in a comic book, you know, it's almost like the origin story of Spider-Man. It's like, well, you know, super cuttlefish. It's like, well, they, I was in a underwater movie theater with my 3d glasses and you know, this, this happened. So actually speaking of their eyes, they have a very interesting, um, Irish shape. What is, is that, does that have like a specific term? And then what is yeah, the so that?
2: So they call it a W shaped pupil. Okay. And, it's not kind of an um, pupil. Yeah. You're good. You're good. Uh, so, the point of this is that these animals can hunt uh, at nighttime and they can ah, hunt during the day, okay. and the pupil is closed down to that sort of W shape during the day because it's really bright. Right. And then at dawn and dusk, it's more circular, but still a okay. small hole. Right. It's more circular, and so uh, their retina, the sort of the cells in the back of their eye that pick up, you know, different shapes, uh, it has a non-uniform distribution of cells to sort of match that W-shaped pupil. Okay. So, um, we're not really sure exactly, you know, which part of the retina is doing what thing. Cause we can't ask the cuttlefish, but, but clearly there's specific regions of the eye that are important.
0: Okay. Okay. And are there any other animals that have that like W pupil shape?
2: So the octopus have that as well, uh, oh, and, and the squids as well, to some extent. It's a, it's a different kind of shape, but it's more like a flap. But, but anyway, right. it's, it's it's a non-standard, you know, hole.
0: <laughs> so were you having to do any, like, cuttlefish optometry, like, when you were in your research? Was that ever? No, that your... um,
2: but, but to me, <laughs> you ask and I laugh. There are people who have studied this um, using IR reflectance and eye tracking to try and figure out, you know, how this works, so... Okay. Yeah, there's, there's a bit of work involved. So, well, what was I did the want to change the
1: subject and worked. ask a question. Oh what sure. So? No,
0: no. Go okay.
1: Ahead. Uh, so, I'm looking at just so you know, with my source, uh, Britannica, Hail Britannica. You know, you're. Uh huh. Yes. All right. It says that the cuttlefish appeared in the Miocene uh, epoch, uh, 23 million years ago. So, this thing's been around longer than like sharks and lots of other animals, right? That's a that's a yeah, long so, time.
2: So. The sort of origin of cephalopods is much older than that. So it's about 500 million years ago. I mean, they, they're they wow. a branch of the snails, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and then since then, we've had many branching uh, into sort of cuttlefish and octopus and, and squids and stuff. Um, but they are really ancient. And, and that's partly the intrigue with their brain their brain has been around for a very long time yeah that's a
0: very i mean sounds very primitive you think they have a very primitive brain in a sense you know while we're
1: talking about brain let me read this next paragraph morphological studies have shown that cuttlefish brains are large relative to their body size and behavioral studies have demonstrated that at least one species possesses the ability for self-control in a manner similar to that of an intelligent vertebrate. my daughter doesn't even have self-control and she's
0: (laughs) come by it honestly
1: behavioral studies involving the common cuttlefish sepia officinalis report that the species can learn to forego a lower quality food item, such as a bit of crab or prawn meat, delaying immediate gratification in order to receive a preferred higher quality food reward, such as a live shrimp, at a later time. That's that's pretty good. I mean, you know, for
0: a little- That is pretty uh, advanced, a, delayed gratification. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, all of this comes about from the fact that they are- uh very good at camouflage, they can sit and wait. They know specific regions on the reef are gonna be more likely to have good prey, and so they'll go and hang out there. Like they're proper hunters, right? Uh so you know just because they're an invertebrate doesn't mean they're silly, right?
1: <laughs> Do you think that uh, if we are after we're around twenty three million years, we may be just as intelligent? <laughs>
0: I hope so. <laughs> yeah, Ren hope. so what was the final shape of the glass? What was the final, I guess, prototype of the 3d cuttlefish glasses? And have you patented those?
2: (laughs) Uh, No. Um, so they were a bit more like your sort of sporty, um, you know, sunglasses. So Mm -hmm. sort of low profile and, and really we're only interested in blocking that front, um, the frontal vision. Initially I thought I had to block all the side vision, but it turns out that that wasn't important. And, It comes down to a fairly obvious reason, which I haven't mentioned, is the eyes of cuttlefish, they normally point sideways, but when they go into hunting mode, they rotate towards the front, uh, and look forward. And so then the glasses really only have to cover that frontal vision. Okay. Uh, And so in the end, they're, they're more sporty sunglasses than, than anything else.
1: So cuttlefish are not using a jet propulsion like a, like an octopus, right? They are.
2: No, they do. And actually, they have even the, probably better control. So they, they have what they call a funnel. So yeah. they pump water into their man, mantle, and then they have a little funnel jet that they squeeze the water out of their mantle through this jet, and they can direct the jet, you know, like a,
1: like a, um, what a, they call a jet it? ski, right? Jet you ski, know, when yes. you turn the jet
2: ski, right. it turns the, the direction of the flow yeah cuttlefish do that exquisitely well and so they can move around in the water um really well with that jet
1: so what is it Um, called when they're out i I don't know if that's a fin or what their outside is like vacillating so they have
2: fins that surround the edge of the mantle and they undulate and that gives the swimming control yeah uh and in fact those fins have now been replicated in all sorts of cool like drone like you know bite inspired you know robotic things wow Um, So yeah, they're they're pretty cool, and they have because they want to camouflage, they want to be able to hold themselves in a certain place in the water column without oh, yeah. getting away, and they can do that with very little motion of those little undulating uh, okay. fins.
0: Well, that makes sense. So, how many times did they rip the glasses off? Because I I feel like <laughs> they probably were like, I'm not doing this today. Like, get get take your glasses, we're done.
2: <laughs> okay, so we need full disclosure here. Um, yes. the cuttlefish that we were working with, I was really fortunate because they were cuttlefish that Roger had been using in his experiments on camouflage for like a whole year. So the cuttlefish that we use live for about two years okay. in the lab and he, Roger likes to use them when they're small, cause they're easier to handle, but right. it also means they got used to humans. And so okay, most right. the cuttlefish, like, you know, I said already 10% or 5% ink. That's because most of them are used to humans and they're right. like, yeah, whatever, another human. And in fact, right. they come begging for food. If you're there, often they, they don't want to do experiments. They're like, feed me.
0: Feed. Right, right. So, is, it, is, it, is it dinner time? Come on.
2: Yeah. So, so you know, like I said, about 5 to 10% will ink. And then probably about the same 5 to 10% won't wear their glasses. So you put the glasses <laughs> on. They'll literally reach up with their arms. They'll pull them off and they'll just <laughs> swim across the tank and go, ha, ha, whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> um and so those animals that just didn't like it we just didn't use in the study it was that yeah, simple no that's and then
0: um, and that's makes you know sense. we
2: took it back upstairs we gave them some shrimp and said off you go have fun
0: right um, <laughs>
2: but but the majority of the other animals um they didn't take their glasses off the biggest problem i had with the remainder of the animals was the glue would come unstuck yeah and their glasses would fall off right. um how are we they have...
1: oh i'm sorry sorry go ahead, go ahead. I was going to ask you, Are do they like to hang out together or are they,
2: uh, are they like solitary? To just
1: be solitary, you know? Uh...
2: Good question. So up until they reach maturity that you can have them in groups, but once they hit maturity, the males start to form uh, what they call a zebra pattern. So it looks like stripes on their skin. They can yeah. turn that on and off, but they, when they're mature, they often have them on to kind of impress the girls. And, um, the girls can also do the zebra pattern, by the way. So it's not it's not straightforward how you sex cuttlefish, but anyways. Um, so yeah, they they generally can you know be co housed until they get to maturity, and then they start to fight with each other. The other thing about cephalopods is if they're very different in size, the bigger one may eat the smaller one.
0: Mm. Oh,
2: so okay. they are cannibalistic if you don't feed them, um, right? And so Normally you want to co-house all the same size animals. And as long as you're feeding them generally, you're fine.
1: So right. I was just watching a little video here from a uh, cuttlefish changing colors as it swims near the great barrier reef off the coast of a place, you know, <laughs> and their transition is as fast as they're swimming. They're changing their body, what the body looks like to the background. It's just amazing that it happens that quickly. It's it's just like i do not I d I don't I can't explain it, but um, yeah. so it's, it's about a
2: quarter of a second, which is less than an eye blink. Wow. Uh, yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. I you, you you need to work on the how this whole process works because that's amazing. Yeah forget and we the need...
0: research you did. No one cares, Dr. Trevor this is what we want. This is what we want. Okay. Uh,
1: there <laughs> might be something for um like something from Star Trek where we have a stealth you know something is stealthy and you can't see it because it looks like the background. There are other apps. Once you figure this out, wow, are you going to be famous? I guarantee it.
0: Well, he was pretty famous from the glasses thing. Yeah, that's, true. <laughs>
2: that's true. Well, to be honest, uh, a lot of our funding does come from you know um, Department of Defense, you know research uh, labs. Yes, mm-hmm. because they do want to know how this works. At the moment our level of understanding is like, you know, the equivalent of putting a whole bunch of squid on the size of side of a tank. Like we don't know how to do it well enough. <laughs> um but to be fair, uh we do know a lot more now about, you know, like the neural control of um the papillae and the control of the iridescence that they do. Uh, you know, there's a lot more things we're learning with time that could be applied and there are various labs that are now making you know chips and artificial devices that replicate cephalopod skin wow. uh, and so um yeah it's not so far-fetched actually
1: <laughs> so yeah so it looks to me like they're swimming backwards uh yes can you explain that a little bit to us
2: yeah so um basically the mantle which is the big meaty bit of the, yeah. the cuttlefish um is is the bit that generally uh will if they were to jet use you know by squirting water, they'll jet backwards so the mantle will will go away first. And it's sort of more streamlined. And behind it is the arms that will sort of trail behind yeah. it. Um so that's their normal like most cephalopods will jet backwards to escape from being eaten. Um, and so that's their you know really fast response. Cuttlefish, though, can undulate their fins and go forward. In other words, putting their arms will move forward. And that's typically how they hunt. They, they come, you know, towards their prey arms first. Um, but they can also pretty much move sideways, up and down. You know, cuttlefish can do whatever they want, really. It's amazing,
1: though, when they're moving backwards, that they're picking up the environment uh, to, to camouflage Repetiting. themselves.
2: Yeah. So, so that's what I was saying. The, 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 the eyes are generally pointing sideways and so yes. they've almost got 360 degree view when the eyes are sort of resting mm-hmm. because yeah. they've got like 180 degrees on either side. See, there's um, something so, in
1: the tail end that you need to explore because if that's the part that's going forward and it's, it's picking up the the surrounding environment, there's something over there that is, is triggering it because if their eyes are bu- like in, if their butt is, I don't know if you call it the butt. Well, they can, they their can see into, their
2: butt. Not, yeah. not directly, but they can see in the direction of their butt. Let's put yeah. it that.
1: Wait. Wow. It's an amazing <laughs> animal. What was that other uh, thing you, with the slime that we were de- uh, talking uh, about? So
0: actually, it's funny you mentioned the Department of Defense. Um, We had, I don't know if, you know, Dr. Fudge, he's out here in California. He studies the hagfish. And he's, hes uh, uh, one of his great latest projects, he was contacted by the U.S. Navy um, about the hagfish and its slime and whatnot for, you know, some defense stuff. So, yeah, it, it, we're noticing a trend here with that, is that if something, animal, natural animal things, people like to try to replicate them, especially our Department of Defense. <laughs> well,
1: they're looking to nature to try to formulate some stealthy uh, yeah. Ar-
2: it's armor. Normally, yeah. yeah, it's normally bio-inspired, so you get, you know, the engineers can build anything. But right. often you need some trick that biology figured out, and often the engineers then engineer something even better. Right. Yeah. But they didn't know the trick because, right. you, you know, evolution generated these cool tricks. Right. But uh, now, now we can use it to to some purpose.
0: So let's go back to your research. So what did you find? I mean, what were the results of your research, and how long okay. did it take? That it's hard so, to put glasses
1: um, on. Uncuttlefish.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, besides, beside that, that was the fact. hypothesis. <laughs>
2: <Yeah. laughs> You're absolutely right. The first hypothesis: can we even do this? <laughs> so yes, you can put cuttlefish uh, with glasses in a 3D cinema and get them. The other part is that you've got to train them to strike at the screen. So oh yeah, but on how the do computer you train screen them? <laughs> good question. Uh, so on the, well, basically, t- we took a GoPro, uh, stuck it underwater, took a video of a shrimp walking along. And then we could play that on the computer screen to the colorfish. Oh, okay. And then they'd be like, oh, there's something moving. I want to strike at it. And so what we'd do is we would probably starve the animals for a day, which won't hurt them. I mean, you can starve them for a week and they still won't die. They've got plenty of energy reserves. But we normally only do it for a day or two. And then uh, we'll put them in the tank, and they'll be really keen to eat anything that moves. Oh, sure. So they'll strike at the screen with their tentacles, and then – We'll go, well, wow, awesome job. And then we'll drop in a live shrimp and right. then they'll capture that and eat it as their right. reward.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Positive. So it's like positive feedback.
2: Positive reinforcement. reinforcement and yeah. very quickly they learn, strike at the screen, you get lunch, right? Um, okay,
0: yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that for lunch. Yeah, okay. And,
2: and I can tell you with that very many trials, they'll line up in front of the screen waiting for the next presentation because they want another shrimp. So uh do you yeah, show so- a
1: commercial between the features <laughs> is it like uh I mean what what oh yeah next summer we have a do you know Missouri uh food uh animal food I don't know if you use Missouri I don't uh, think
0: they, I don't think Missouri does aquatics
1: No yeah okay no. I think anyway. i good of the brand but
2: Probably.
0: yeah anyway. it's,
1: it's it's used in zoos and such
0: But yeah so yeah will you be, like coming next summer we have a hermit crab instead of the <laughs> <Yeah>. shrimp or <laughs>
2: That's true that's true <laughs> that would be pretty cool uh so once we got all that lined up then we could actually remake those films with two different colored shrimps uh moving across the screen and depending on the distance between the two shrimps on the screen one is a different color from the other for each eye okay and so what we could do with the experiment was change that distance and find out that if the distance differed then the cuttlefish should perceive the the sort of artificial prey closer or further away and uh that's indeed what they found if we put the disparity that's the difference between the left and the right eye to be really far apart then they thought that the prey was really close to them and they'd literally swim backwards to strike at something in the middle of the water they wouldn't strike at the screen they'd strike at the prey thinking oh my god it's right in front of you like you're gonna catch
0: it yeah yeah
2: and then we could reverse the images so they're on the other side, which basically would mean they would think that the item is a long, long way away. So they would think it's on the other side of the tank wall, like deep into the screen. And so then they would sort of attack the screen like, oh, my God, I want that shrimp. I can't get to it. <laughs> right? Um, and so the thing was, you, you know, you asked how long it was. Once we got the cuttlefish glasses working and the animals trained, it literally was the very first time we stuck the glasses on. They had this perception of the shrimp was in the wrong place.
0: No kidding. And so,
2: I, I mean, I was jumping up and down like crazy.
0: I'd be too. Is was, this, I oh, oh my God. This
2: right. Is this oh, have yeah. anything
1: to do with the red pill and the blue pill? Is this uh, similar? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's uh, definitely a perception question. You're right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that must be very exciting. Like, great, right, we didn't, you know, make all these cuttlefish classes for nothing. This is yeah. worth everyone's time.
2: Absolutely. Um, so, you know, we had to do obviously a lot of trials of different distances apart and we could plot a line. And so very clearly the dis- distance between the, the shrimp on the screen, uh, you know, related to the distance that they thought the prey was away from them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so that experiment because it's a pure uh, perception thing we could clearly show they have stereopsis the same as we do so they're using that left and right eye input to calculate distance okay and and the way you can think about this in an easy way if you stick a a sort of finger in front of your eyes about you know you know eight four six eight inches away if you open and close your eye you'll see that the your finger will move right right so you've right. got two very clear different images coming to your brain, mm-hmm. but we think it's only one, right? Our brain mm-hmm. already stitches that together on the fly at full speed, right. and and you already know, you know. Um, even people who play, you know, baseball or cricket or rugby, or whatever, a ball moving around really quick, we still can just de- de- deceive, you know, perceive right gets, where right? it is, right? Yeah, uh, and we're not going to get tricked, and so. Um, you know, we could clearly show then that they, they, you know, could detect depth. We then went and did a lot of controls so you can show them shrimp in one color or another color. So effectively only one eye is, is seeing that prey. And, and what we found when we did that is that the animals really struggled. So they would, first of all, not be sure where to strike their, their tentacles out. So they would move in closer and they'd swim around and they'd look at it a lot more. Before they struck at the screen. So they took much longer to strike. They also traveled much more distance. And the other thing is they actually struck at the prey much closer. And so oh, okay. those three things initially, like, yeah, whatever, they can still get their lunch. But if you remember, a shrimp is not wanting to get eaten. Right. So if you're fussing around in front of a shrimp, it's going to be out of there, right? Right, right. Yeah. So you know, it's just not good for it to to be doing that. So you know, these control experiments also verified what this previous researcher John Messenger found in 1968 that that with one eye they can capture prey, they can shoot out the tentacles, but they're just so far you know from being efficient. It, it's right. doable, but it's not it's not awesome.
0: Right? Did yeah, you, well, yeah, you get this, closer this uh, kind of really experiment? you know line up your shot? And...
2: Yeah, so we we filmed it in two ways. One was um, from above using a high-speed camera so that we could quantify their position in the tank. Mm -hmm. And then we also had a GoPro in the tank so that we could see the sort of cuttlefish eyes view. Are you sponsored by GoPro?
0: You keep mentioning them. I'm just kidding. So,
2: Sorry. you, you, you <laughs> no. like. Uh, you
1: send put me free ones
2: anytime, you know. You, you oh, made a little idea. GoPro
1: uh, <laughs> adapter for their heads and strapped it on so that you can get it. I don't want to do that, but, but it's too heavy.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, they you are can miniaturize
1: get a small GoPro. Uh, so, was the screen in the tank or was the screen outside the tank?
2: So, we had it outside, but right up against the, the wall of the tank.
1: Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I didn't
2: have a glass tank because that can generate a bit too many reflections, but also,
1: uh-huh.
2: uh, it means you could break something. It's just kind of easier in a research environment to use plastic. Gotcha. Uh, I also had a shoestring budget. Um, this, these experiments were done very cheap, not like your normal science experiments.
0: No, I had you a know when you a go paper. to
2: the craft shop and you buy super glue and, and colored filters.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're using ladders here in your setup. Now that you
1: and have the Dod behind camera. you, you can uh, upgrade. Ah, uh, yeah,
2: we've we've done a few upgrades. That's right.
1: <laughs> just don't buy any uh, one thousand dollar hammers. Uh, we've had enough of that.
0: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I, I, I'll, All right. I will post everyone. Well, you know what? We're going to have the, to have um, the link. Hold on, Dr. Trevor back
1: account. for another round because there's so much we haven't even talked about. You know uh their food their reproduction or any of that business yet but right well this is
0: mostly focused on his on his research yeah this this is fascinating i mean mean, glasses on an animal is not something it's it's like something in a children's book you know to teach kids about not to make fun of each other for wearing (laughs) glasses you know you've got a kid you know that's like the only time glasses ever comes up on animals but yeah i mean it's just amazing that you guys were able to do this so did um what was I going to say? So did the did the color difference like affect them at all? I mean, I know they can't see color, but with having like the red lens or the blue lens, did that kind of like trip them out initially? Or
1: he says so,
2: it... no, because because they're colorblind, then it doesn't affect them. We did have to make the the, the choice of our colors to be uh, apart so that they they don't interfere, okay. and we did have to match the intensity because if you don't some of the filters on different colors right. Would make a different intensity to the eye. Oh,
0: sure, right. Sure.
2: Because the eye is seeing so that the, their eyes are sensitive to blue, which makes sense because they're in the ocean. Um, and so the, the, the red and green or the blue and green, whichever filters we were choosing were chosen um, to match the intensity so that the left and right eye was similar in intensity.
0: Ah, okay. Okay. Um,
2: that all said, we as humans have trichromatic vision. We see three different colors. Right. And, the whole 3d cinema works just great even though we used to go to the cinemas and have you know blue and and red glasses right the old school 3d right so it doesn't really matter that you have color vision it still works
0: okay, okay. um
2: but but they, it is more efficient so we now use polarization so we have right. different polarization in our left and right eye and we have polarized filters when you go to the 3d cinema now and that is a, a more convincing effect yeah um so you know, I'm not saying color vision doesn't matter, but I'm just saying it still will. The perception of depth will still work. Oh.
1: Well, we're gonna have to uh, reconvene because yes, there's so g- much. We're
0: definitely gonna have to have you back, Doctor Ward. And <laughs> you know, if you ever need someone to scare your lab students, we'd be more than happy to come in and be fake researchers and you know, fake mess person. around <laughs> your lab. Well, whatever.
1: I, I uh, okay. So I want you to just. Uh, um,
0: I do not give this. I, well, I, have, a, right.
1: I have a thought <laughs> question. Okay. When do you think we're going to understand how this camouflage works? How long? How much more time do we need? You know, it's just... a
2: good question. There there are now so so in the last probably five years, the number of cephalopod labs has I don't know, tripled or even there's fivefold more. There's a lot of new people that have come into the field. Mm-hmm. Some of those are really big labs like Max Blank's Institute. You know, there's big people getting involved with some really amazing technical research and so you know i think i'd like to say the answer would be in a decade that may oh, wow. be too ambitious wow but yeah All it right. will still take a while we've got a lot to figure out but yeah you know if you'd asked me this question five years i would be like my lifetime not okay <laughs> not <short laughs> okay right. right
1: well you know it's just uh they've been around for 23 million years so we've got doing uh, right we got to get get caught up but uh thank you so much for your time it was very enlightening yes, I, mean, I mean it's uh it's fascinating now i've got to go do a little more studying on stuff uh cuttlefish because but i did i did see that special i don't know if it was pbs or national geographic they're very intelligent animals uh i'm sure when you come into the lab they hang out you know and probably want you to pet them or something i don't know if they oh do yeah
2: it. they definitely want action they want you to play with them and feed them do they yeah. really
0: they like human they i mean i guess since they've been like desensitized to humans but do they like you know you sticking your hand in there and you know or whatever in their tank? yeah
2: they do because they associate you with food right Oh, okay okay, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah um i mean octopus they love to touch the world to figure out what it is and yeah. so you know we have octopus in the lab so they'll come up and they'll want to grab you and touch you to know, you know, what are you? What is that? Like, right. what yes. are you doing?
1: <laughs> right.
2: Um, I've never been bitten. Uh, I nearly got bitten by a squid once. But, uh, yeah, they have a beak, right? So right. Yeah. Anyways. All right. So they, they generally just want to see what you are. Right. Just Thank, you, that. so so Thank you so, so much for your time. We do appreciate was it. Great. Anyway, yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been yeah. fun.
0: It's yeah, definitely going to have to have you back. And, um, again, if you right. need anyone to come... Shake things up in your lab. Just let us know.
2: All right, <laughs> okay, all right. I've yes. had. Both all fresh right. And if you're salt, on this right? way, you definitely got to come visit. Oh, we all absolutely right. will. Thank you so we much. Thank all you right.
0: So much. And as always, you can find us on Instagram. Send us an email, Just Animals Pod, and also check out our merch as well. And we'll see you guys next week. Have a great evening or morning wherever you are in the world.
1: All right. Bye bye.
0: Well, Otto, do you approve of this week's episode? <laughs>